Praise God. It just occurred to me this morning, we accepted an invitation to do six weekends of meetings at a church we'd never been to before. <laughs> and it also occurred to me that a church invited us in that the pastor had never heard us preach before to do six weekends of meetings. I mean, I, but <laughs> these Holy Ghost connections are just really cool. Amen. And we're glad to be here. It's a pleasure to serve you with the word again this morning. And, and we want to build you up so that you help fulfill God's image for the church. You know, man seems to have an image for the church. America seems to have certain images of churches. And a lot of times it really isn't biblical. But if we look to the word, we'll see what the word has to say about the church. So, so let, let's consider this in Ephesians 1.23. It says that God gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Amen. The fullness of him. The church is to be the fullness of Jesus Christ on the earth. Not the partiality of Jesus Christ on the earth. Now, if we could not do the works of Jesus, the church would be the partiality of him who fills all in all. But we're not the partiality. We are the fullness of him who fills all in all. So it is the will of God for the church in every way to emulate our Lord Jesus Christ. What he did, we do. Nothing less. Aren't you glad? That's God's vision for the church. It's not a social club. It's not a bless me club. You know, Jesus went out and reached the lost. Yes. Now, you have an evangelist and you know he's going to talk about that, okay? Yes. So, it's important that we go out and reach the lost. Yes. Because he came to seek and save what was lost. Yes. For this purpose, he came. He wanted to save the lost and undo the works of Satan. Now, 1 John 3, 8 says, For this reason the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, what is sickness? It's a work of the devil. It is not a normal part of life on the earth the way God intended it. There was no sickness in the Garden of Eden when God had his way before Adam fell, and there is no sickness in heaven where God has his way all the time. So that tells you something. And Jesus had us pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven where there is no sickness. So what is God's will on the earth? No sickness. Oh, oh, come on. I mean, but it's a fallen world. That's, Jesus knew it was a fallen world. That's why he came to redeem us from all of that junk. So we don't have to be sick. And they don't have to be sick. And one thing, I, I think I was sharing about this earlier, it, I found it's easier to get people healed of stage 4 cancer than a cold. Because stage 4 cancer, it's Jesus or you die. So people suddenly get very, very serious about it. A cold, people are, I can live with it. I mean, there's two five-letter phrases that are real faith killers. One is, if it be thy will, and the other is, I can live with it. Well, you can live with it, but you can also live without it. And Jesus paid a price so that you can live without it. Amen. And they can live without it. Amen. And you're, you're just as redeemed from nuisance diseases as you are from terminal ones. Yes. And it's just as much God's will. If you are suffering from a nuisance disease this morning, the Lord wants that gone. Yes. 
He healed them all. He healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. That would include AIDS. It would include cancer, but it would also include COVID. It would include the flu. It would include colds. It would include just irritating things, skin problems that aren't going to kill you or anything, but they're just annoying. Thank God we are redeemed. Nothing but the blood of Jesus has provided that. But Jesus came and he provided it for you. And thank God we get to live in the grace zone, not the law zone. In the grace zone where God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and hopefully you hang out, everything is based on what he's already done for you that had nothing to do with anything you've done for God. Healing is not based on what you've done for God. It's based on what God has done for you. And and if you ever get this attitude, like someone who says, well, if anyone ought to get healed, it ought to be me. I have cooked more fried chicken dinners. I have worked in the nursery more. I've been in the way for 30 years. And truer words were never spoken. (laughs) Well, why don't you get out of the way by living in the grace zone instead of the law zone? In the law zone, you get what you deserve. But I can't afford to get what I deserve. And neither can you. Jesus took what I deserved so I could live over in the grace zone where I get everything I never deserved and Jesus just gave it to me. When I became a Christian, everything Jesus has belonged to me that instant. I am in Christ. Thank God. You know, you can't, under the law, you could break God's covenant and get clobbered for it. Over in the grace zone where we live today, you can't break the new covenant. Did you know that? Did you know it is impossible? Your pastors have probably taught you this already out of Galatians chapter 3. But you cannot break the new covenant. Because it was made between God and Jesus. And neither one of them is going to break it. Well, how do I get in on it? You're in on it because you're in Christ. If you're in Christ and Christ has the new covenant with God, then you're in everything the new covenant has, but you can't break it. You can do without some of the benefits, but you can't break it because this new covenant is unbreakable. Thank God. Now, back in the old days, back in the law zone, here's how it worked. If you do things that are right, you'll be blessed. And if you break God's commandments, curses will come upon you and you'll be cursed. In fact, here are some of the curses, according to Deuteronomy 28, that would come upon you. If you break God's law and you don't keep all of God's law, here's what you deserve. You deserve skin problems. You deserve tumors. You deserve the itch that cannot be healed. You deserve hemorrhoids. You deserve knee trouble. You deserve mental illness where you you wish it were day when it's night. You wish it were day, night when it's day. You're just never happy. You're depressed all the time. You're oppressed by everybody else and you're miserable. And furthermore, every sickness and every plague not specifically mentioned also has the right to come on you because you broke God's law. That's the law zone. Now, if you like that, here's my suggestion. Build a time machine and set it back 2,000 years, and you can go back and live in the law zone if that appeals to you. It does not appeal to me. However, you can also live in the grace zone where it's now no longer up to you to keep the law to be blessed, where you're already blessed. 
Under the law, you work and you get God to bless you. You pray the prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Or you could be under the new covenant and you can pray Ephesians 1.3. I thank you, Lord. I'm already blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Under the law, work for it. You do, and if you're good, you'll get blessed. You worked for it. Under grace, you didn't lift a finger for it. Jesus just handed it to you. See, all those sicknesses, every disease, every torment, every pain, all of that stuff, every one of them known to man, as Sister Selena was already saying, Romans 5.12 tells us that sin, death came into the world by sin. And all those sicknesses are tied to sin. They're part of problems that sin brought into the earth. And the word says that if you sin, you deserve to get sick. Thank God Jesus knew you deserved to get sick. In Isaiah 53, 4, it says, Surely he's borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Now, I know it says griefs and sorrows in the King James. Those words are correctly translated sicknesses and pains. That's why I enjoy preaching. I, I went to Costa Rica and, and preached without an interpreter, and that was fun. And in the Spanish Bible, it just says he took your sicknesses and pains. You don't have to explain because they took it right from the Hebrew into the Spanish. So it's a blast to preach healing in Spanish-speaking countries because you could just get your Santa Biblia out and you open to Isaiah 53, 4, and you just read it. And you don't even have to explain, well, this word really meant that in the Hebrew because they got it right. But what does he mean? He took our sicknesses and our pains. Well, what's that mean? The ones we deserved. Because under the law, if you sin, you deserve to get sick. Therefore, in order for Jesus to fully redeem you, he had to get sick. He was made sick for you, literally. Hebrew, actually, Isaiah 53.10 literally means God has made him sick. We're talking about Jesus. He made Jesus sick. Why did he make... What an awful thing to do to your son. How could God do that to his own son? Because your sin was on him. And according to the law, if you sin, you deserve to get sick. And so because he took your sins, God had to treat him like a sinner who deserved to get sick. And had to make him sick. And he was punished with sickness. Oh, but thank God. Because he was punished with your sickness. Because he took your sickness and your pain. You don't have to have that sickness and pain anymore because you're redeemed from it. It's as if you'd never sinned. Because you live in the grace zone, not the law zone. Now, I, I want to talk, I'm going to shift gears here and talk about something. And by the way, I don't try to be slick. I just try to help people. Um, my messages sometimes are like, no alphabet soup or something but 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 i pray lord make me a blessing wherever i go cause me to speak as the oracles of god and whatever people need to hear let them hear it and whether it sounds like a coherent polished three-point message or not i don't really care what i care is that you get what you need and whether it looks slick or not i don't care and that's something i have the same way i have the same feeling about worship i don't care if worship looks slick or not what i care about is god in it that's why i enjoy the worship here and, and you, know, you won't be accused of being slick. Please don't ever turn into slick, okay? Please, 
keep that heart that you got here because I like it. And I know I get to come back to this church another five times in the next year. And I'm going to enjoy the worship here. And that's something I can look forward to. Thank God we can worship him. He's the one who took your sicknesses and pains. So you don't have to have any of them in your body. Not just your sicknesses, your pains. The, oh, my back. Oh, my leg. Oh, you know, my fingers. Oh, my... That's, that's covered too. If you've been in an accident, that's covered too because your pains are covered. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Rosie's going to say some more about that later. But when, when Jesus rocked the earth, he healed the maimed as well as the sick. If you, yeah, you feel like one of those lawyers. Have you been in an accident? <laughs> You've been maimed. Jesus healed the maimed. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's your lawyer. Because 1 John 2, 1 says he is. He's your lawyer in heaven. You get the best representation there is anywhere. Free. Isn't that, wouldn't that be nice if you had ads like that on TV broadcasting what Jesus did? He said, have you been hurt? Don't go it alone. Let a professional sewer do it for you. You know. So anyway... But Jesus is your advocate. He remembers what he did for you. He knows when he took on your sin, he remembers what he did for you. Now you need to remember what he did for you. But we're going to switch gears here a little bit and talk a little about another angle here when it comes to receiving your healing. In Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus said, whatever it is that you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and it will be yours. You receive it when you pray, not later, not a week from Tuesday, not on August 9th, 2025. You believe that you take that healing when you pray. How can you take it? Because it's there. Like I said yesterday, faith is not the evidence of things that don't exist. It's the things that do exist, but they're not seen. Your healing exists. It's not seen right now necessarily, but it exists. Jesus paid for it, and you can go and just take it. In fact, that word receive actually means take in the Greek, lambano. It, it's not a passive receiving, like I receive a text. Like if you sent me a text, I'd receive it, but I didn't really control whether or not you sent me a text. That's not what that word receive means. That word receive means I take it when I pray. In other words, it's there for the taking, and you take it. We like to tell people this. Healing is not a promise, it's an offer. So now what's the difference? I'll explain. If healing's a promise, then you pray and God promises that if you pray, he will then do something about your sickness. That's a promise. And people say, oh, standing on the promises, standing on the promise. Oh, it's so great to stand on the promises. Well, it is, but that's not a promise when he says, by his stripes you were healed in 1 Peter 2.24. That verse doesn't promise you anything. It's a statement of fact on which you act. See, if healing were a promise, then you'd have to pray and it's God's turn to move and you have to wait for him now. But that's not the New Testament picture of how things work. God has already moved when he sent Jesus to take your sicknesses, take your diseases so that you don't have to have them and now it's your move. Healing is an offer. The difference between the offer and the promise, the promise, God has to do something. The offer, God has already done something, and he's just presenting it to you here. Take it. You see the difference? And it's there for the taking. 
And you can take it because, we, as we said yesterday, God has given you the measure of faith. You don't have to get all bent out of shape. So I wonder if I have enough faith to do it. According, according to Romans 12, 3, you have faith. According to two, Ephesians 2, 8, it's a gift from God, which according to James 1, 17, is a good and perfect gift. God did not give you defective faith that does not work, that cannot receive. Why would he do that? Why would he send Jesus to pay for your healing and then give you defective faith that can't receive it? God isn't like that. God gave you faith that does work. Don't get all introspective. You know, in a lot of circles, I think today, people are taught to get introspective. Do I have enough faith? 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 The question is not, do you have enough faith? The question is, will you use your faith? Gee, how much faith does it take to move a mountain? Oh, about a mustard seed size of faith. Something just itty bitty bitty bitty. So you don't need great big wapo faith to receive a healing. All you need to do is use your faith. In other words, instead of sitting there questioning yourself, do I have enough faith? Do I have enough faith? Do I have enough faith? Just take it. Act on the word. That is faith when you act on the word. All you're saying is, if everything in the Bible were true, what would I do? Well, everything in the Bible is true. So what should you do when it says, by whose stripes you were healed, and that Jesus has been cursed in your place, he has made healing available to you. Your part in it now is to take that from him, and that's all there is to it. And you have the goods. Church, you can do this. This is not something you have to go to seminary for five years or something to try to figure out or, or get all of Kenneth Copeland's tapes or go to every camp meeting they have in the South this year. You can do this with the faith you have. You've got it in you. That good and perfect faith, you can turn that faith loose and get what Jesus has already provided for you. And no, no arm twisting required. You do not have to beg God to heal you. Oh God, pretty please with milk and honey on it. Would you please do so? Oh, you see how badly I'm suffering, Lord. Surely that must move you, Lord. Well, he was moved with compassion. That's why he sent Jesus to take it for you so you don't have to have it. And he's already done something about it. If you pray as if he hasn't, you miss God. If you pray as if, God, you've got to do something, you're now disagreeing with Scripture that says he already did something. Always agree with the Word. Always act on the Word. When he says he did something for you, act like he really did. And Jesus said, whatever it is, believe that you receive when you pray. And the very next words out of his mouth were, and if you forgive if you've got anything against someone. Now we're really going to get into some stuff that you probably didn't dare ask. Oh, yeah, well, and then he goes on to say, for if you do not forgive your, your, someone else's sins, your heavenly Father won't forgive yours. Uh-oh, does that mean you lose your salvation if you get into unforgiveness? I mean, if you're now unforgiven, that would mean you go to hell for not forgiving someone. Is that really how it works? Is your ticket to heaven contingent on how well you can forgive other people? Mm. Aren't you glad I'm going to answer that? See, prior, prior to the cross, the, the deal was this. You forgive, and then God will forgive you. Prior to the cross, the deal was you would pray, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Under the new covenant, it is you've been forgiven, now you go out and forgive. 
How do we know? Because Ephesians 4.32 tells you to be tender-hearted toward one another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. In other words, under the new covenant, it is not contingent that you forgive first. He forgave first, and now you go out and you emulate what he did. You forgive without, without having to... You get his forgiveness because you're a Christian. You know, for, um, 1 John 2.12 says that... You know, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And I'm just, since we're here, I'm going to answer, we're going to answer all kinds of those, well, yeah, what about, what if, I always wondered about that kind of things. Well, what about 1 John 1, 9, where, where it says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, does that mean that you only get forgiven when you confess? Is your ability to walk in forgiveness with God contingent on your ability to think up every sin you've ever committed and itemize them and confess them one by one to get forgiven for them? Well, that'd be a pretty sorry state of affairs, wouldn't it? Because if you're anything like me, you're probably, you sin and then five years later you figure out what you did was a sin. And you couldn't confess that because you didn't even know you were sinning. I mean, my background is sin. Okay, some people, Baptist, Catholic, my, my background is sin. <laughs> Not anymore. Jesus has washed me clean. Nothing but the blood of Jesus did it. But, but I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And I, didn't, I, I, I was read it after I got saved. Finally, in frustration one day, I just cried out to God, Is anything I'm doing not a sin? <laughs> See, I didn't even know that all of us, a lot of the stuff I was doing was a sin. How could I confess my sins one by one when I don't even know what I'm doing is a sin? I can't. So, okay, so what's 1 John 1, 9 talking about then? It's, it's, it's an Oreo cookie. You get black, white, and black. In 1 John 1, 8, it talks about people who say they've never sinned. And there's people like that today. You know, they had the Gnostics back then. Today we have the Christian scientists who say there's no such thing as sin. Now that's not Christian and that's not scientific. Their name is a lie. <laughs> and that, but God knew that cult would arise and he had 1 John 1 written so that you would know about it. And then in 1 John 1.10, on the other side of verse 9, he, he again talks about if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. Then he's talking about people who admit they have sinned. Those are the ones who can be saved. You can't be saved if you don't believe you've sinned. Because if you haven't sinned, you don't need a Savior. If you don't need a Savior, you don't need Jesus. And if you don't have Jesus, you don't go to heaven. That is the point John is making. And by the way, I think that's an easier thing. I've had some people say, well, you know, 1 John 1 was written to the, to the Gnostics and 1 John 2, 3, 4, 5 was written to everybody else. When's the last time you wrote a letter to someone and the first chapter was written to one person and the rest was there? Here, you write a love letter to your sweetheart, you know, down in Montgomery or something. And, 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 you, and, and you spend the first 10 phrases of your letter addressing the Christian scientists in Montgomery, how they're in sin. And then you, you talk to your beloved for the next part of the letter. Now, that, that just doesn't cut it for me. I've heard that as an explanation, but you don't need to go there. I believe it's all written for you, but the point he's making is salvation is for those who admit they've sinned. Yes. 
That's the only point he's making. He's not saying that you're not forgiven for a sin until you confess it one by one because there's a truckload of scriptures that say otherwise. Like I mentioned Ephesians 4.32, 2 John, um, excuse me, 1 John 2.12, yeah, Ephesians 1.7 that says, In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have, present tense, you've got it right now. You don't get it when you confess them. You have it. And, and same thing in Colossians 1.14 and Colossians 2.13 and Colossians 3.13. I mean, you can look these up if you, you're taking notes here or listen, re, hit rewind or whatever on the podcast. <laughs> what were those scriptures again? Uh, but there's a lot of scriptures that all agree that you are forgiven for all your sins. And it's not your work, it's not even your work to figure out how many sins you committed and confess them to get forgiven. That would be, get back into works again. Your forgiveness is only based on guess what? That's why I'm so glad they sang that song today. That was God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's only the blood that saves you, not your ability to confess your sins. Hallelujah. Now what about James 5.15? Oh, let's deal with that now. The elders lay hands on the person who calls for the elders of the church. And it says, if he has forgiven sins, he will be forgiven. Yeah, if he's, yes, if he's committed <laughs> sins, sorry. Yeah, then at that point, when the elders are laying hands on him, that they're praying the prayer of faith over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, it says the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Uh-oh. Does that mean that your sins aren't forgiven? That you could have unforgiven sins as a Christian and only when the elders lay hands on you, then you get forgiven? Aren't you glad that someone likes to wade into these waters? Yes, yes. And I'll wade you back out of them too. <laughs> James 5 is, like the rest of the book of James, is written to a mixed bag of people, sinners and saints. It is not written only to Christians. It was written to the 12 tribes. Some of them were saved, some of them weren't. You know it was not written all to Christians because, in, for example, in 1 John 4, 2, it says you fight and war and you kill. Well, Christians don't kill. James 5, 6, you've murdered the righteous and he doesn't resist you. That's not, yeah, now, 1 John 3, 15 says no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So he can't be talking to Christians because Christians don't kill people like that. They're not murderers. So James is addressing both Christians and non-Christians. And this shows you one of the blessed truths of that scripture in James. Even if you're an unbeliever, you can call for the elders of the church and have them pray the prayer of faith over you and you will get healed. And God won't even say, oh, sorry, you sinned. I'm not. If you call for the elders, you'll get a pass on it. But that's the unbelievers who need that pass on sin. If you're a believer already, you already got it. You ever wonder about these scriptures? I mean, I do. That, that's why I just dig and dig and dig you know, until I get the answer. Because I can't stand not knowing. And thank God I have the Holy Spirit who is the teacher abiding in me so that you know, I get answers to these things. Because I wondered about those too. And I'm like, Lord, what about that? Okay, but what about this forgiveness thing? Now, forgiveness certainly is tied where Jesus said, here's how you pray the prayer of faith. You believe you receive when you pray, and if, you, and if you're there and you've got something against anybody, forgive. Now, let's really get out there. Isn't, isn't unforgiveness itself a forgiven sin? Hmm. 
Well, if you're forgiven for all your sins, aren't you forgiven for the sin of unforgiveness? Hmm. Hmm. Oh. We, we, will, we will resolve this. We won't leave you hanging until next time we come back. That'd be, you know, if we were in the TV business, we'd say, to be continued. And then you've got to wait till next season to see how this cliffhanger resolves itself. But I will not leave you hanging over the cliff on this one. <laughs> Forgiveness, being in unforgiveness is a sin, but you actually are forgiven for your unforgiveness. Because it's just another sin and you're forgiven for the sin of unforgiveness. So why did Jesus make such a big point about not getting into unforgiveness? Because it's spiritually like drinking Drano. Now, you are still legally healed by the stripes of Jesus if you drink Drano. Don't do it, okay? Don't try this just because I mentioned that. But you are not, you still have the right to be healed in your body no matter how stupid you are. Because, you know, well, you, you know that, that song in Psalm 107.20 where it says he sent his word and healed them? Yeah. Do you know what the, the wind up to that is in the verses before? It? it says fools because of their transgressions get sick and draw near to the, to the gates of death. In other words, it's their own fault. That's the context of Psalm 107. And then he said, these people, it's their own fault, they're sick, and God sent his word and healed them. Now, if you drink a bottle of Drano or something and live to tell about it, then you're legally healed by the stripes of Jesus, but that's just not a smart thing to do if you want to stay healthy. <laughs> well, unforgiveness is spir drinking spiritual Drano. Here's the problem with unforgiveness. It's not that God holds that against you and unforgiveness is in its own category of a special sin that you're not forgiven for because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus forgive, took care of your forgiveness. You are forgiven for not forgiving other people. But here's the problem. Unforgiveness lives in the law zone. If you live in unforgiveness you will live in the law zone. The problem with unforgiveness is it's you deserve this. I hope you get what's coming to you. And not only that, I'll just go tell everyone else what a rotten scoundrel you are. <laughs> Although it happened 20 years ago, he did me dirty and the world must know. I'll tell my side of it each day I live because what he did is just too much to forgive. And there you are in the law zone. Lord, judge him. Lord, make him fail. Make his business fail. Make his ministry fail. After what he did to me, he deserves to be out of the ministry. Judge, rain fire down him like, like Elijah called down fire, Lord. That's the law zone. You do not want to live in the law zone. Because here's the problem. If you live in the law zone, you're not going to be able to appropriate grace for yourself living in the law zone. Because if, if, if I'm saying people should get what's coming to them, then you're going to think you ought to get what's coming to you too. You really cannot simultaneously be in the law zone and be in the grace zone where Lord forgive them. Lord, you know, even Paul, you know, everyone took off on him in Asia. How do you like to be deserted by all your buddies? They all take off on you at the first sign of trouble. And Paul said, may it not be held against them. Well, that's grace speaking. 
If you live in the grace zone, you can just keep on going and going and going. Receive all that God has for you. And it's easy because you agree that it shouldn't be done unto you based on your works. You're agreeing it's done to me only by grace. And I receive it by faith. Now, see, grace doesn't mean it's automatic. You don't get healed automatically. Romans 5.2 puts that together. It says, for by faith we have access into this grace. So your faith accesses what God's grace has already made available to you. And it's faith receives what grace provides. But if you live over in the law zone, now you're saying, I'm not going by what Jesus did in his grace. I'm based on what, who deserves what. How are you going to apply that to someone else and then apply the opposite to yourself? You're not going to. You're either going to live in under that and then you're going to apply that same thing to yourself and condemn yourself and then never receive from God. Or you can live in the grace zone where you know he's forgiven you, he's forgiven the other person, and now I just choose to forgive as I've already been forgiven. Is this helping anyone today? Just straighten out any of these scriptures you've always wondered about and go, well, what about that one? You know, there, there are answers to all of those questions. The Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible has answers, and he's the best teacher there is. Thank God. So, now unforgiveness, most of the time the hardest person to forgive in the world is you. You could forgive everyone else, but sometimes when it's you, you want to just beat yourself up over it. Ever do that? Yeah. I have. I shouldn't have, but I have. I think we've all done that. I know I blew it. You just have that sick pit of the stomach feeling. You know you can't blame someone else for it because something you did, you hurt somebody, and it's your fault. And you feel miserable about it. Ugh. But can you forgive yourself for that? Well, Jesus already has. So why not side with him and say, he forgives me for what I did, so I forgive me for what I did. I have had to stand in front of a mirror and look at myself, stare myself down and say, Steve, I forgive you. You know what? If you have to do that, then do it. You need to forgive yourself. But also, you need to forgive others who've hurt you. And that means anybody who's ever done you dirty. Some people, you know, when, when I got called to Maine to, to be a pastor there, I had sort of a man from Macedonia experience. I had sort of a spiritual vision. And there's a man in this vision saying, come up to Maine and help us. We've been hurt by our pastors. And so I obeyed God and I went. But what I found out, there were a lot of people up there who had been hurt by their pastors. But what they would do is they would project that onto me and, bl and blame me as if I did it to them. And I didn't do it to them. But they were holding on to unforgiveness about what the previous pastor did. And then it made it hard for them to relate to me because they thought, you know, all pastors hurt people. Well, they don't all hurt people. Some of them are actually nice. You know, there's fake 20s and there's real 20s. You know, you know, you know, just because someone gives you a fake 20 doesn't mean that there's not a real 20. You know, you don't just say, oh, well, I got hurt. I'll never go to church again. And we met people like that. I told you, we met someone just recently at the store who was like, that. well, I got hurt in church, so I'm not going to church anymore. Well, well hey, find a better church then. You know, don't just stay out of church all your life. Yeah. 
But the thing is, you've got to forgive the people who hurt you, even if it's other Christians. A lot of times you can get wounded in the house of your friends. There's a man in our church who had arthritis all the way down his back. We laid hands on him in the name of Jesus, and nothing happened. And a little while later, actually quite a while later, he was in his house like, why hasn't anything happened? I know I felt something go into me, but my back is still a mess. And the Lord nudged him and said, you need to forgive. Like who? He says, you need to forgive that church that you were in. And he made a decision that day. Okay, I forgive that church for what they did to me. The minute he did that, his back was instantly healed. He got out of the law zone where you cannot receive the things of grace because it's all worked up. He got into the grace zone where you receive based on grace and he got it. Stay out of the law zone. It will hurt you. Stay out of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a ticket to the law zone. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, if you've been in unforgiveness, today would be a real good day to get rid of it. Yes. Like right now would be a good time to get rid of it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, when he said forgive, that means you can choose to do it. But I don't feel like it. I'm hurt. I don't feel like forgiving. You, you know, if you wait until you feel like forgiving, you'll never do it. The feelings will follow faith. Faith doesn't follow the feelings. First, you make the choice to forgive the person who wronged you, whoever it is, whether it's your mom, your dad, your former pastor, five former pastors ago, who knows. But whoever it is, you choose to forgive that person right now. You can make that choice, and when you make that choice, all of a sudden, grace just opens up to you. You have kicked the blockade out of the road, and now it's clear sailing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's good to be forgiven. We all agree. You know, you go with somebody and ask them to forgive you, and you're like, or, or they're just like, I ain't forgiven. You know what? You still get forgiven. I'll tell you a quick story. We had a woman in one of our meetings, and she was really crippled up, and, and she she was like this. She could not stand up. She could not undo her hands. She was so full of arthritis and stuff. For 28 years. 28 years, this woman was like this. On disability, doctors told her she'd be in a wheelchair in no time flat, basically. And, and so she's... <coughs> Coming into the meeting, and I'm not making fun of her. Please don't don't misunderstand what I'm doing. I just want to show you the severity yes. sometimes of what can happen to us. Yeah. And we were Steve shared. I got up. I had something else already planned. I was going to share. And guys, no, go the other way. Uh, talk about unforgiveness. Okay, let's talk about. It. And and I said, you know, somebody said, well, what if somebody who hurt me is not alive? How do I forgive them? It's a choice. You still choose to forgive them. Sometimes you may have unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody, and they don't even know you have unforgiveness in your heart towards them. 
How do you forgive them? You still choose to forgive them. See, so I'm sharing a story about somebody that I needed to forgive. And I could see the light go on kind of thing in this woman sitting back there. And, uh, and I said, you know, it's a choice. We choose to walk in forgiveness or we choose not to. You can't say somebody made you walk in unforgiveness. You can't say somebody chose to make you walk in forgiveness. I mean, you'd be a slave, basically. You know? And what happens is when we walk in unforgiveness, we walk like this. We have a ball and chain that nobody else can see. When that song this morning, I, and I thank you for singing that song this morning because it really touched my heart. He breaks every chain. Yes. And yet God has forgiven us, but we're still going around. <laughs> dragging that ball and chain because we've never let the chains be broken. And yet Jesus paid the price for your chains to be broken. Mm-hmm. A free person will walk. Mm-hmm. I'm not dragging yeah. that with me. And lots of times, guilt and shame from our past mm-hmm. we wouldn't go around like that, mm-hmm. but yet we are spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I know I got to be my son today. But God loves us so much. And this is not anywhere I was going today. But God loves us so much. Amen. He wants you to be free. So you don't have to do this the rest of your life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And it all starts with a choice. The scripture, he whom the Son sets free. Which is what? Free. He whom the Son sets free. Come on. Is free, free indeed. God don't hold it against you. You need to stop holding it against you. Because he whom the sun sets free is free free indeed. indeed. And I tell you, when you get a revelation of that, that will change how you walk. Because now I can walk with my head up. I don't have to be walking like that. When we become free, we can look other people in the face. I could not for a lot of years look, look somebody else in the face because I was so guilt-ridden about my entire life. But when God set me free, I lift up my head. I don't have to. You know, a friend of mine said to me, she said, Rosie, what's down there? She says, nothing on my dirt. Why do you keep looking down? <laughs> I was a Christian. <laughs> and she said, you walk with your head down like this all the time. She said, you won't look anybody in the face. And she said, what's down there? There's nothing on the dirt. So why are you looking down there? And there's so many of us that have been walking our Christian walk handicapped. Yeah. Not even differently aged. Handicapped. Yeah. <laughs> because we've allowed the chains from the past, our circumstances, to hold us back. Now what does this have to do with healing? It's got everything to do with healing. Because if you're not free, how do you go and get somebody else free? Mm-hmm. 
If you're not W-H-O-L-E, how do you get somebody else there? Yes. Because, you know what, I could share somebody else's testimony, but it's not the same as sharing my own. Yeah. Yeah. Or your story, as people would call it. (coughs) I don't particularly care for the word story sometimes, because that can lead to all sorts of things. But it's my testimony of what God did for me. He delivered me. He set me free. And he whom the sun sets free is free. And and then I'm going to go back into the other scripture. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Today. Come on. And forever. Jesus Christ is the same. Tomorrow. And the next day, maybe. No. That's not what it says. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it for me back years ago, he would do it for you today if you take the same kind of steps that I took to forgive. And I was getting ready to go to Bible college when this happened, and God kept saying, forgive and it shall be forgiven you. I'm like, Lord, I will not have forgiven everybody. You know, because we want a quick answer. We don't want to have to deal with us. <laughs> And we don't want nobody else to deal with us. Mm. But God deals with you. God will pin you to the wall sometimes and say, hey, yeah. you know, let's get this right. Yeah. You know, but he loves us. That's why he does it. And I said, okay, Lord, who in the world do I have to forgive? I've forgiven my ex. I've never him again. Your mom. And my mom was coming in to visit me the very next day. And it's like, God, how dare you? Spring this on me. No worry, she's coming tomorrow. But anyway, I went to bed sick. That night to my stomach. Had the thought of having to face my mom. Today, I'll just clear this up today, my mom and I have a wonderful relationship. Yep. We talk three or four times a week, Mm -hmm. and I can tell her I love her and truly mean it. She always wanted me to tell her I loved her, but I hated her. I hated the way she treated me. I felt like I was a piece of scum under her shoe because of the way she treated me. And I'm going to Bible school, and the Lord says, you need to forgive her. And I tell you, she's coming tomorrow. Not here, but in, in this is scenario. And I said, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. And he said, you can do all things mm. through Christ who strengthens you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, really, God? You really want to go with this plane right now? You know? But I'm telling you, I, I already slept the wink that night. I tell you how bad I was. I was so bad, I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning, I called somebody and said, Please pray for me! I'm dying over here! <laughs> <laughs> this is killing me! But I wouldn't tell them what they had prayed for. Just pray for me. <laughs> and, and I knew she had to drive about an hour to get to my house. And, you know, my son, we lived close enough to school at the time that he was able to come home for lunch. Of all the days in the year, he decided to bring a friend home. Oh. Well, how dare him? <laughs> because I've got to confront my mama, and she's coming right around lunchtime. You want an excuse out, the devil will give you one. 
If you want an excuse to get out of something, the devil will give you one. I thought, oh good, I don't have to do this today. But he said, if you don't forgive her, I can't use you fully to the extent that I want to use you yeah. in ministry. Yeah. Ouch. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, so bad. Yeah. So about 8 o'clock, I found another friend. Please pray for me. i got to do something to this. I don't know if I can do it. Get that scripture, I can do all things yeah. through Christ's strength. But I don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. And listen, if you're not careful, you will let your feelings yep. control you. Yeah. God gave and God gave me this wall. God gave us feelings not to control us, yeah. but for us to control them. Yeah. Yeah. God gave us emotions, but he, not for them to control us, but for us to control them. Yeah. So here's where we're, you know, my son is here with a friend, and I'm trying to do lunch, and I'm hardened, and I'm sad, and I'm frustrated because I really don't want to confront my mom because she was just, to me, a nasty woman. So anyway, I get my son and his friend off to school, and mom is there, where are we going, where are we going, where are we going? Come on, we'll go shopping. Yeah. And she's getting ready to go to the door, and I put my hand up on the door and I said, no, we're not going yet. And she looked at me like I had 10 heads. And she said, what do you mean? I came all the way in here so we could go shopping. <clears throat> I said, I'm going to do something first. And I said, mom, will you forgive me? And she looked at me again like I had 10 heads, like what, 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 you know. That's because I hated you. I hated the way you raised me. I hated the way you treated me. I felt like a slave. I never felt like a daughter. I felt like I was the housekeeper, not a, a child. You get my drift. And she looked at me, and and she's crying by now, and I'm crying. And God, we got to get through this because I, I, I got to be free of this once and for all. So anyway, and she said. And, and she went off with her excuses. Well, nobody ever did this for me, and I did that when I was growing up, and you know. Anyway, and I said, you ever wonder why I resented you? Well, I always knew you, you weren't loving with me. <laughs> no kidding. I wasn't loving to you because you weren't loving back to me. I felt like I was your slave and not a daughter. And I said, you wonder why the times you reached out to hug me, I rejected that and I would pull away. Where everybody else, I could hug them because I didn't have nothing in my heart yet. So. And she would get a little frustrated with me because how come I'm hugging all these people but I'm not hugging her? Mm -hmm. And I said, mom, that's why I couldn't hug you. Because if I could have killed you and got away with it, I would have. So I'm serious. I'm serious. If I could have murdered her and got away with the body and all that, I would have done it. That's it. That's where I was. And I said, but I, I, I want you to forgive me for feeling that way and for wanting to kill you. And I said, I'm going to Bible college in a few weeks. And I said, God told me if I don't forgive you, 
He can't fully use me. I can't be, I won't be free. Totally. I'd be one of these walking with that ball and chain. And you know, sometimes traumas in our lives will bring on illnesses for no reason. And I'm no medical doctor, but the Lord showed me that. He said, sometimes people's illnesses are not natural illnesses. They're brought on by the trauma that happened in their life, and they've not got healed or forgiven or, or emotionally healed. So anyway, we talked it out, and I said, Mom, I said, you never once told me you loved me. I never heard that as a child. So I vowed when I had my son, he would never go one day without being told how much he was loved. And not only told, but to actually hug him and sit him up in my lap and just love on him. Because I didn't have that. The only time, the only time I ever felt mom was when there was a belt coming or a slap in the face or a slap on the backside. I, I, I'm being serious here, guys. That wasn't love, okay? She thought it was love disciplining me. Because I was always so bad. I wasn't always so bad. But anyway, and I, and, and immediately she jumped to her excuse. Well, my mother never ever told me she loved me. I said, no excuse. I said, I determined that if I ever had a child, they would never go not knowing that they're loved. Even when I had to discipline him, I would still tell him, I love you, and I want to help you. So anyway, I said, Mom, so what's the verdict? You going to forgive me or not? Now, if she didn't forgive me, that wasn't on me, you understand? That would have been on her. And she said, yes, and I said, I forgive you, and I am so sorry. I treated you. I wanted you to hurt as much as you hurt me, mm -hmm. emotionally. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, I didn't have any discipline for today, but, but I needed to be free. I believe there's people in here this morning. You're walking around with wounded hearts. You're walking around with scars in your heart and you hope nobody can see. So you put a facade. You joke or you do this or that to cover up your own hurt. I, I would do it all the time. I was good at it. I became a great pretender. I pretended everything was okay. When on the inside I was rotting away. But anyway, we we went through the unforgiveness and and I say sometimes you're not people don't know. And for you to go to them, your mom would do a disservice to them. But you can make a choice within your own heart. And this woman, I I have forgotten this woman that was <coughs> up. And I said, <clears throat> you choose to forgive them even if you can't go to them and ask their forgiveness. Because they're they're gone. They're dead and gone. And I said, God won't hold that against you. 
you know. And she came forward, and, and I, I was down on the floor by her, and I said, Lord, what do I do? I never been in that situation, having to minister to somebody else who was as wounded as what I used to be. And they, I said, what do I pray? He said, you don't. He said, just hold her. So I reached my arms out, and I put my arms around her. And she crumbled to the floor. And I got down there with her. I pulled her back up, because God's not finished. And I'm, I'm holding this woman up in my arm, and I had this nice suit on. <laughs> you know what happened? I had snot, tears, I had drools, I had all kinds of stuff on me. This woman needed to be free. So I'm holding her up and I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, what do I do now? And she had long hair. Kind of reminds me of your hair. She had long hair. She was bald, you know, and snot and everything. You know. Yeah. And the Lord said, take her hair and move it back from her face. So I did. And I'm still saying, I hadn't prayed one word over this woman yet. And I said, Lord, what now? He said, tell her. I said, she's beautiful. Now listen, you don't know Rosie Young, but I'm going to tell you, that's not comfortable for Rosie Young to tell another woman she's beautiful. <laughs> but God said, I said, she's beautiful. So as I began to tell her that God said she's beautiful and that he loved her, I mean, she's just crumbling again. And I'm like, no, come on, we're going to stay up here because... I, see, sometimes we shortchange God yeah. by going down too fast or, or, or feeling that we can't stand. <laughs> but anyway, I still didn't say one word to the woman any more than she's beautiful and God loved her. I said, okay, God, what next? I, I mean, everybody's watching, right? And here you are with this woman that you don't know. I've never seen her before in my life. And I'm trying to hold her. And God said, tell her that I forgive her. I just told her what he told me. I wasn't praying over her. I wasn't laying hands on her as such. Anyway, I never did pray over her. She stood up as best she could. She went back to her seat. There didn't seem to be a whole lot of physical differences in this woman at that moment. But by the time the service was done, she was able to do this. Amen. Because she had made a choice while she was there to forgive the person who wounded her. <clears throat> she left the meeting. The next night she never came back. There was a big snowstorm. We still preached. Um, the third night she came back. It was our last night in that town. And I'm telling you, this woman literally, I can't do it like a dress she, she literally bounced in to the sanctuary, or into the place we thought to be, standing up straight. Wow. And Steve said, whoa! Yeah. 
we went and started feeding. He's like, whoa, what happened to you? No, yeah, what happened to you? She said, look at me. <laughs> I can do this, I can, yeah, I can do all this. And he said, well, what'd you do? She said, I shoveled snow for the first time in <coughs> eight, eight years. Wow. She said, do you remember we had a snowstorm last night? Yeah. He's like, yeah. She said, well, I went and shoveled my driveway. Huh. And she said, after I got my driveway done, I went to the neighbors and said, hey, can I ch shovel your driveway? <laughs> <laughs> you know what they did? They slammed the door in her face and ran back in the house because they remember her as this. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah, and she, she's like, I'm healed. Amen. I'm healed. Amen. So anyway, we let her share later on that night, and she shared how God just restored. So all that crippledness was still attached to the other stuff. See, sometimes we bring stuff on ourselves because we choose not to. But God says, forgive, and it shall be forgiven you. And when she made that choice to forgive, she forgave. And then, lo and behold, I mean, how dare God, but <laughs> God said, now, if you've been in these meetings the last three nights, and you got healed, and you're on SSI, you need to go out and get a job. I had it in my mouth. I worked If not, you're stealing from the government. You're stealing from the taxpayers. I said, no condemnation when you needed it, that it was there for you. But if you're healed, mm -hmm. you need to get out and get a job. Mm -hmm. I got a letter from this lady two or three weeks later. I think it was 10 or 15 pages long. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling me what God had done. Mm -hmm. She went out and got three jobs. <laughs> she called an SSI and said, I don't need disability anymore. What do you mean? We've been sending you check for 28 years. Mm -hmm. She said, because I got healed. Mm -hmm. So she left her phone number at the end of it. I decided to call her and say, hey, what are you doing to yourself? <laughs> I know you're healed, but three jobs? Come on. Pick <laughs> one that you like. Or two part-time ones. But don't kill yourself yeah. trying to, you know, redeem yourself yeah. kind of thing. And some people will not get healed, I will say, because they're afraid of losing their disability. Mm -hmm. I don't mean here necessarily, but in, yeah. we have seen it so many times. People come and say, well, will you pray for me just enough to get the pain down, but not so I lose my disability check. <laughs> the nerve! That, they, <laughs> but they did it. The nerve! Not enough to lose my disability check. I ain't praying for you. Go back when you're serious. Yeah, come back when you're serious. That's not, I'm not being mean. I really wasn't trying to be mean. But sometimes you've got to shock people and open their eyes to what they're doing. Yeah. To see that they're in error. Yeah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for that lady, what he did for me, he'll do for you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pass it back to Steve. Steve's going to do a song. After we do the song, we're going to pass those to my church and then come forward. Whether it's emotional, physical, mental.
Whatever your need is, He wants to do it for you. More than you want to do it. And this song, going to sing.